Chapter 18 Lydia of Thyatira There are many points of interest in Lydia's conversion. Notice that it was brought about by providential circumstances. She was a seller of purple in Thyatira. That city was famous for its dyeing trade, which had flourished there ever since the days of Homer. The mode of producing an unusually delicate and valuable purple seems to have been known to the women of Thyatira. It may be that Lydia had come to Philippi upon a journey, or that while her articles were made at Thyatira, she resided during a part of the year at Philippi to dispose of her goods. The communication between the two places was very easy, and she may have frequently made the journey. In any case, Providence brought her there when the hour of her conversion was come. You might remember that Thyatira was situated in that part of the country into which Paul was forbidden by the Spirit to go and preach. Acts 16, 6. Therefore, if Lydia had been at home, she could not have heard the truth, and since faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17, she would have remained unconverted. But Providence brought her to Philippi at the right time. This is the first link of the chain. But how is Paul to be brought there? First of all, he must be kept out of Bithynia, and he must be silenced in his journey through Mysia, Acts 16, 7. He must be brought to Troas, close by the shore of the sea, Acts 16, 8. He must look across the blue sea and think about Europe's needs. Then he had to fall asleep, and in the visions of the night he must be prompted to cross to Macedonia, Acts 16, 9-10. He then had to ask for a ship, a ship headed for Samothracia, and for no other place, before landing at Neapolis, Acts 16.11. By the same instinct, he had to make his way to Philippi, Acts 16.12. He cannot go in any other direction. He must be brought there at the very time when Lydia is present. He must find out about the times of prayer by the riverside, for God ordained that Lydia will be saved. Notice how many different threads were all interwoven here to make up the fabric of her providential conversion. In this case, God rules and overrules all things to bring that woman and that apostle to the same spot. Everything in God's providence is working together for the salvation of the elect. Not only was there preventing providence in Lydia's case, but there was also grace in a certain manner preparing the soul. The woman did not know the Saviour. She didn't understand the things that made for her peace, yet she knew many truths that were excellent stepping stones to a knowledge of Jesus. If not a Jewess by birth, she was a proselyte of the gate, and therefore was well acquainted with the oracles of God. Footnote A proselyte of the gate was sort of a half convert to Judaism. The convert was not required to be circumcised or to follow the Mosaic ceremonial law, whereas a proselyte of righteousness followed all of the Mosaic laws. She was one who worshipped God. She was one of the most devout of God's worshippers among the Jews. Although she was far away from the synagogue, some forget the Sabbath when they travel in foreign lands, yet when the day came around she was found with that little handful at the riverside prayer. I don't doubt that she had read Isaiah the prophet, and could carry in her heart and remember such words as these, He is despised and rejected of men, 
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Isaiah 53, 3, 7. As in the case of the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts 8, although the scriptures she had read were not understood for lack of some man to guide her, they had prepared her mind. The ground had been plowed and was ready for the good seed. It was not a hard rock, as in the jailer's case, Acts 16. Lydia worshipped God, she worshipped Him in sincerity, and she worshipped Him looking for the coming of the Messiah, Israel's consolation, Luke 2.25, and so her mind was prepared for the reception of the gospel. Undoubtedly, in many of us, there was a preparation for Christ before Christ came to us in life-giving grace. I know that in some of our cases, the pious example of a godly father and the loving instruction of a tender mother has softened us somewhat, so that although we were still unsaved and still out of Christ, we were yet like the man who laid at the pool of Bethesda, John 5. We were close by the edge of the healing stream, and there was not that sudden, astounding change in our case that we have seen in others. Still, we should attribute all this preparatory work to sovereign grace, for grace, free favor, does much in which no grace of practical salvation is discernible. What I mean is that before grace renews the heart, there is grace that prepares us for grace. Grace may be setting the mind in activity, clearing us from preconceptions, and ridding us of a thousand unbelieving and skeptical thoughts, thereby raising a platform from which divine grace conducts us into the region of the new life. Such was the case of Lydia, and such is the case of many others. Providence and grace work together before the operative time is come. On the Sabbath, Lydia went to the gathering of her people. Although God works great wonders and calls people when they are not hearing the word, we usually must expect that, being in the way, God will meet with them. Genesis 24 27. It is somewhat extraordinary that the first convert in Europe was converted at a very small prayer meeting. There were only a few women there. We have no reason to think that there were any more males than just Paul and his friend Luke, who had stopped by unexpectedly and had been moved to speak at the prayer meeting, and that talk was the means in God's hand of opening her heart. Let us never neglect the means of grace. Wherever we are, let us not forget the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Hebrews 10.25. May you ever have, even if as yet you are unconverted, a love for the courts of the Lord's house and for the place where His people meet together. Love the prayer meeting. Don't say about it that it is only a prayer meeting. God loves to put honor upon prayer, upon the assembly of His people directly for His worship. You may hope that even if the sermon has not been useful, and if the common Lord's Day service may not have been blessed, yet perhaps on the Monday evening, maybe in that little cottage when there are only a few women present, you may meet with God who did not appear to you in the larger assembly. Be diligent in going to church. Be constantly in God's house, as often as the doors are open and your duties will permit, for Lydia's conversion took place in the gathering of God's people. It was clearly a work of grace, for we are specifically told, 
whose heart the Lord opened. Acts 16:14. She did not open her own heart. Her prayers did not do it. Paul did not do it. The Lord Himself must open the heart to receive the things that make for our peace. Luke 19:42, Romans 14:19. It belongs to God alone to savingly work upon human hearts. We can get at human brains, but God alone can awaken human affections. We may reach them, we grant you, in the natural and common way, but to reach them so that the enemy of God will become his friend, and so that the stony heart will be turned into flesh, Ezekiel 36:26, is the work of grace, and nothing short of divine power can accomplish it. Lydia was baptized, but her good works did not end at the water. She then had the apostles come to her house. She would bear the shame of being thought to be a follower of the crucified Jew and a friend of the despised Jewish apostle, the renegade, the turncoat. She would have him in her house, and although he said no out of his hesitation to receive anything, yet she constrained him, for love was in her heart, and she had a generous spirit. While she had even a crust of bread, it would be broken with the man who brought her to Christ. Not only would she give him the cup of cold water in the prophet's name, Matthew 10:41-42, but her house would shelter him. I don't think much of a conversion where it does not touch a person's substance. Those people who pretend to be Christ's people, yet live only for themselves and do nothing for him or for his church, give only sorry evidence of having been born again. A love to the people of God has always been a distinguishing mark of the true convert. Look then at Lydia, and remember that she is one example of many. Let her case rest before you, and let the prayer go up, Lord, bring in other Lydias according to your mighty grace. The Lord opened Lydia's heart to attend to the things that were spoken. Acts 16:14. No doubt the Lord removed prejudice. This prejudice is an evil that we have to fight against in very many people. In Lydia's case, it would be Jewish prejudice. Maybe the report had reached her, as it had most of the Jews, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. She knew that her race had hounded him to the death, and that her nation had even said, His blood be on us and on our children. Matthew 27 25. God removed all this prejudice from Lydia's mind. She sat down to listen to Paul with a determination to give him a fair hearing and to weigh the matter and see whether these things were so or not. Somewhat like the Bereans of old, who also had their hearts in a measure opened, for they searched the Scriptures to see whether things were so. Acts 17.11 The devil often covers men from head to foot in a coat of armor so that when they go where the arrows of God are flying, there is very little hope of their being wounded, because there is hardly a joint of the harness that the devil has not protected by an iron rivet of prejudice. When Lydia's heart was opened, her desires were awakened. She now felt a wish to understand this matter, and if there was anything in what the apostle was saying about eternal salvation, about complete pardon by the blood of him who was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8. She said to herself, I would like to know about it. I hope it may be true. I want to get an interest in these things. So she listens, anxiously desiring to be influenced by the word. She has a hunger and a thirst, 
and those people have this blessing, they shall be filled. Matthew 5, 6. When, by God's grace, people begin hungering and thirsting, then we are very thankful to say that this is the opening of the heart. As the oyster opens its shell when the tide comes up, so when the tide of grace is coming, God often makes people open their hearts so that they may now get the spiritual supply. Well, there was a desire awakened, but this was not all. There came another kind of opening. Her understanding was now enlightened. Her understanding was opened. She had a clear view of the gospel. She could see in its height, depth, and length that which her soul needed. Then came something else. Lydia's affections were now moved. She felt growing within her a love to him who, though he was equal with God, yet took upon himself the form of a servant. Philippians 2, 6-7. As she heard Paul describe his sufferings, and as she pictured to herself the scene around the cross, she thought she could hear the death shriek and see the flowing blood. She seemed to think, Yes, I love that man. I love him. My heart goes after him. Oh, that he were mine. Then she thought, Yes, I love that preaching. Those doctrines of mercy are sweet to my ears. She began already to rejoice. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. Psalm 89:15. For if they do not yet walk in the light of God's countenance, yet they will, for so the promise runs. All this, I think, is included in the words that her heart was opened. Acts 16:14. Her affections were now burning toward divine things. Then came faith. She believed the entirety of the record. She accepted it as absolutely true as Paul had stated, that there had been a Messiah, that He, according to Scripture, was the Son of God, and was also the Son of Man, that He had suffered the just for the unjust, 1 Peter 3.18, and that she, believing in Him, had her sins forgiven. Faith came now through hearing, Romans 10.17. She took God at His word. She simply and humbly put her soul at the feet of that cross where the blood was dripping, believing that as it fell from heaven it pleaded for her, and as it dropped on her it gave her peace with God through Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1. Once faith had been given, all the graces followed. Now she hated her sins. She repented. Now she loved righteousness. She sought after holiness. Now she had a bright hope of the many mansions in the Father's house. Now she began to run with holy and happy feeling in the ways of obedience to Christ's commands. She became not merely a believer in the basic truths of Christianity, but she went on toward perfection, Hebrews 6, 1-2, adding to her faith courage, and to her courage experience, and to experience brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love, 2 Peter 1, 5-7. Onward she went in the way of her God. All this the Master did by opening her heart to seriously consider the things that were spoken of by Paul.